0: Hey, hey everybody, welcome to the Compass Church Podcast. My name is Jake, one of the pastors here, and I love that you are joining us for week three of our current sermon series called Egypt, A Line in the Sand. We're looking at all of these different biblical narratives that happen in the location of Egypt, wondering what it is that God has to say to us through this location. This week, we're going to learn all about Moses. So without further ado, let's join in with our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin, right now.
1: Hey, friends. So good to be with you. I love studying the Bible with all of you folks online. And everybody at our Naperville, South Naperville, Wheaton, Bolingbrook, and Three Rivers campuses. And welcome back to Egypt, A Line in the Sand, where we are studying all six of these dramatic encounters with God that the biblical characters had in Egypt. Last week we looked at Joseph, and the week before, Abraham. Today it is Moses. And we start at the most haunted place in Illinois. At least that's what my studies indicated. Paranormal investigators have found this to be a haunted house at the highest level. Now, I don't buy into all the haunted house thing. The ghosts, the paranormal investigators, I think it's hogwash. But it's amazing how popular it is. TV shows about ghost hunters, uh, YouTube specialists investigating and seeking after ghosts—it's crazy. Apparently, they'll walk into a house and they'll—they'll they'll, they'll have dogs with them that can detect ghosts and howl at at it. They'll smell sulfur. They'll uh, listen for uh, sounds, you know, like a bang or a creak or uh, you know. A uh, howling wind. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they'll find cold spots that are apparently a sign of ghosts. It's it's amazing. Well, with their various forms of detection, according to some, this ancient house is of the highest level of haunted locations. Isn't that interesting? Yesterday I came out here to check out this spot to see if it would work well for this intro and I was all alone and there's like no driveway to this house. It's really weird. There's like hundreds of feet of a wooded path that I had to hike in and as I hiked in I have to admit I freaked out. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's true. I don't know if I've been watching too many of these haunted house videos in preparation for this, or the fact that it's the week of Halloween, or the fact that I'm just a chicken. Uh, Together, it added up to my heart rate increasing. The further I got down that path, the closer I got to this house, I just felt the anxiety Uh, raising within me. I felt the inclination to turn around and leave. (laughs) I think we all have this natural inclination to run from our fears. That's what this message is all about. It's about that inclination to run from that which we're afraid of. Here's why it matters. We're going to find out that often God calls us to face our fears. Often what God calls us to demands courage. It demands that we resist the inclination to run and courageously follow down a path of God's calling. You see, with with Moses that we're studying today, Moses ran from his fears. He ran from Pharaoh in Egypt. Moses left the land he had grown up in, that's Egypt, and he went into Midian where he became a shepherd for 40 years, running from Pharaoh. But then God met him in the burning bush, you may recall. And God said, Moses, I've got a huge assignment for you that requires you to march back down the path into Egypt and straight into the presence of Pharaoh himself. And Moses did it. And friends, we're going to learn his secret to divinely given courage We all need to tap into that courage. It may not be our nature to be courageous, but with God's help, we can find the courage necessary to face our fears and follow God's plan. For some of us, we've got some hardship in our lives and it freaks us out and we say, God, this can't be part of your plan. And he says, it is part of my plan for you. Walk it with courage. In other cases, God's calling us into serving him in some way that freaks us out. And God says, you got this. Find the courage I give through the example and wisdom of Moses and face your fear. Friends, it's time to learn from Moses, to find that courage. And so let's return to our series called Egypt, A Line in the Sand.
0: love that you are taking the time to join us on your favorite podcast platform, but we also want you to know that there is so much more content available for you from The Compass Church. You can find more of that on our church's YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash The Compass Church, where you'll find things like our full weekend service experience, worship music to get you through the week, and great midweek podcast opportunities for you to be able to have further faith conversations around what we are learning On our weekend services. And speaking of our weekend services, let's get back over to Jeff for the conclusion of our message together.
1: Friends, let's dive into the courage of Moses. And to begin to pick it apart, we're going to look at the book of Hebrews. I find it a little ironic that not only has this series so far been a study of events that happened in Egypt, but each week we've also looked at Hebrews 11, the the hall of faith or the spiritual hall of fame. And sure enough, Moses is in there and his courage is on display. Hebrews 11 verse 27 it says, by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. What a Great verse. This is our, our main text that I want to study with you today. And let's start by highlighting king's anger. The Pharaoh of Egypt was the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he was a hothead known for flying off the handle and having people executed. So for Moses to not fear the king's anger is remarkable. But that's what it says. In fact, I want to highlight not fearing. Uh, Moses was fearless in this dramatic moment of the exodus. Not, not not only does it say uh, not fearing, but I want to highlight persevered. It's interesting that that word, uh, the Greek word translated persevered, is kartereo. Kartereo, and it means he stood strong. It's this persevering in strength, and so this picture of a fearless Moses standing and not quaking—it's beautiful, and this courage that we see here in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, 27. And I want to go back to Exodus and see the moment of the Exodus, the leaving of Egypt, where Moses demonstrated this great courage. Just got to remind you a little bit of Moses's life before we get into the moment. Moses, though a Hebrew, was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, grew up in Pharaoh's palace, But when he was an adult, he turned in loyalty to his people, the Hebrews. In fact, he hoped to be their leader, but they rejected him. And he was in trouble with the law. And so rejected by the Hebrews, in trouble with Pharaoh. That's when Moses fled at the age of 40 and went out into Midian, where for decades he was a shepherd in hiding God appeared to him at the burning bush and said, Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt, back to Pharaoh. Now it's time for you to lead my people out of their bondage. And so Moses did obey the Lord, went back to uh, Egypt. He went straight to Pharaoh, demand the release of the Israelites. Pharaoh would not budge. And so the 10 plagues were brought upon Pharaoh to persuade him to release the Israelites. Eventually he did. The Israelites started leaving on the great night of the 10th plague, but no sooner were they leaving when Pharaoh changed his mind and said, why am I letting them go? This is free labor. And so Pharaoh in fury got his army together and started chasing the Israelites. The Israelites are now running out of Egypt, but they come to the Red Sea. This sea is a barrier that stops them, like being trapped in an alley about to be mugged. As as Pharaoh's army is bearing down on the Israelite people who have nowhere to go, it is a terrifying situation. It's the perfect nightmare. Let me read now, Exodus 14.10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. There were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified. So we're going to see that the courage of Moses stands in contrast to his people. The Israelites were terrified. The natural human reaction in a perfect nightmare like this is fear. But look at our Moses in this moment. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Friends, what a speech. I have to ask you to use your imagination to see the courage of Moses at this moment. Use your imagination to picture it, will you? The Egyptian army and their chariots are riding at full tilt. The Israelites are screaming in terror, trapped at the Red Sea. And Moses with flaming passion in his eyes and the wind whipping his hair and his robe like a flag he looks at his people and he says you be firm and get ready to see a miraculous deliverance of your God and at that moment he raises his hand out towards the Red Sea I'll read what happens Verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and the Israelites went through on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Oh man, you talk about a moment of heroic courage when the most powerful ruler in the world is bearing down on you in rage. And Moses stood up and galvanized his people with a speech that demonstrated courage at a remarkable level. How about you? Could you have done that <laughs> in that moment? Had you been there, would you have been one of the Israelites screaming in fear or like Moses, would you have your jaw clenched saying, prepare to see the deliverance of God? I fear that I would have been among the fearful. And so I I, I have to beg the question, Moses, how did you get so courageous? Well, first thing you got to know is he always wasn't that way. If you imagine Moses just being this kid with a natural propensity towards courage, a capacity to face fear, you're misunderstanding the biblical text because there's a miracle of transformation that occurred in Moses. The guy started out as a chicken. Friends, I'm not kidding you. The cowardice of Moses is quite impressive. In fact, God so wants us to see the natural timidity of Moses that he spends four chapters in Exodus just going on and on and on with this laborious description of Moses' cowardice. I got to show you, forgive me for reading a whole bunch of verses here, but I think it's necessary to capture the essence of how terrified and scared this guy was. I'm going to go starting the, 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 the three, actually four chapters that speak to his fear are three Exodus three, four, five, and six, and then the plagues start after chapter six. So let me just work through some quotes of those four chapters, shall I? Exodus 3.11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? At the burning bush, when Moses was called to this great task, he says, "Ah, who am I? He had such an insecure view of himself. He felt unworthy and incapable of performing this leadership assignment. After saying, oh my, God said, I will be with you. It's not just about you, Moses. I'll be by your side. But then look at Exodus 4.1. It says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? In other words, when I speak to the Israelites and claim uh, divine leadership, saying God told me I'm the leader uh, they're like they're not going to believe me. At that point, God says, "Here's a take your staff, and I'm going to just prep a little miracle for you so that they will believe you. You'll throw your staff on the ground; it'll become a snake, and when you grab it, it'll return to a staff. There, now they'll believe you." God says. But look at verse 10, Exodus 4:10. But, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, "Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words." I never have been. I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled. Apparently, Moses had a terrifying fear of public speaking. And part of this deliverance assignment was going to be speaking in the courts of Pharaoh and speaking before all the Israelites. And Moses, knowing of this paranoia and this, uh, you know, inability to speak publicly points to that as a reason he has to take a pass on the assignment. God says, Moses, who gave you a mouth? I'm the God of speaking and I will help you. But he keeps complaining. This is chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) The humanity of Moses is just remarkable this point God gets angry with him and says come on dude I'm telling you to go and he says fine we'll get your brother Aaron to go with you if you're so afraid of being alone before Pharaoh Aaron will be by your side but then in chapter 5 verse 22 we read this then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. His whining here is about his first attempt to go before Pharaoh. It was a bomb. He and Aaron had gone into the palace of Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, You lazy Bombs. And Pharaoh got mad. Pharaoh demanded that the slaves produce the same amount of bricks, the quota, same amount as it had been. This time, though, they were going to stop, the Egyptians were going to stop providing the straw, which was one of the necessary components of these bricks. He said, you Israelites will now have to make the same amount of bricks, but you're going to have to gather your own straw. And so their lives got more miserable as a result of Moses' attempt to uh, do this great task. And so Moses is really discouraged because now he's failing. Well, God speaks here and says, Moses, I promise you, hang in there. Victory will come. Pharaoh will let the Israelites go. But look at verse, now we're in chapter 6, verse 12. Moses objected, Lord, My own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen when I'm such a clumsy speaker? (laughs) He just won't stop. He's scared. God at this point orders him. I am commanding you. Get back to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. One last time. uh, Verse 30 of chapter 6. But Moses argued with the Lord, saying, I can't do it. I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? At this point, God finally says, all right, fine, fine, fine. Aaron, will do all the talking. Just stand there by his side. Will you do that? Friends, the, the cowardice, the whimpering of Moses is remarkable. And so it begs the question, How can a guy who was so prone to insecurity, fear, and anxiety demonstrate such heroic courage in the great hour of the Exodus? That's the question that I wrestle with. Now, first of all, I'm encouraged by the cowardice of Moses because it gives hope to all of us who struggle with fear. I I know it's a abundant in our society the anxiety and the worry and the fear is rampant maybe like never before and so all of us who can identify with fear choking out the joy of life we want to scream how did Moses grow in this regard well we need to go back to our main text to that passage in Hebrews because the answer is there do you remember let's turn to it now it said in Hebrews 11 that by faith uh, Moses was not afraid. He, he remained strong because, here's the answer because he saw him who is invisible. Because he saw him who is invisible. The answer given in Hebrews is that Moses had learned to see God. Now, that's figurative. Uh, Nobody has seen God. The Bible says if anybody would literally see God in all of his glory, it'd be too much and we'd die. But what the writer of Hebrews is getting at is that Moses had a fresh encounter with God. Seeing God for Moses meant a realization of his attributes. You know, when you see somebody, you say, oh, I know what you're like. I see what you're like, or at least what you're physically like. And as we're going to see, yes, uh, Moses saw the attributes of God, how, how great and mighty God is. But also there's more to it. Seeing God also has to do with realizing he's right here with me. It's the greatness of God and the nearness of God, if you will. Let me actually show it to you back in Exodus, this seeing God, seeing the one who is invisible, the Hebrews uses as the explanation for his courage. It becomes evident back in those chapters where he's freaking out. God said something to Moses during his freak out that I think is really important. Exodus 6, verse 3. God said to Moses, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. The almightiness of God is his attributes. Those patriarchs saw the mighty greatness, the attributes of God. But he goes on. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. You see, Moses had something that the patriarchs didn't. And that's God revealed his name, the Lord. Now, my Bible has the Lord in all caps, which is how the English translation translates the name of God, Yahweh. Maybe you've heard Yahweh before, sometimes called the Tetragrammaton, four Hebrew letters, yod he vav Hey, And it was the holy name of God. And it points back to when God spoke his name at the burning bush to Moses. Moses had curiously asked God, what's your name? And God surprisingly had said, I am, or Yahweh, or the Lord. He gave his name. And uh, folks, that's remarkable. You say, why is that so remarkable? Well, to understand the remarkable nature of that decision of God to reveal his name, you have to go to Egyptian tradition. Because in the Egyptian culture where Moses grew up, every important person at least was given a secret name that they revealed to no one except their closest family and friends. In fact, at the birth of an Egyptian child, there would be a naming ceremony where the secret name was given. And only the very closest people, just a few of them, would be there to know the secret name. And they wouldn't tell anyone. You say, well, then what did the person go by if they didn't know their secret name? They would have a nickname, sometimes called the small name. And that's what they'd go by. And they always kept their secret name, just that, a secret In fact, it was believed that if someone knew your secret name, they had power over you. There's an ancient Egyptian legend that the creator god Ra, his name was Ra, got bit by a snake, and the goddess of healing, Isis, Isis came to Ra and said, I'll heal your snake bite if you'll tell me your name. And he's like, no, you can't know my name. You're not close enough to me to have that privilege. And she said, okay, then deal with your pain. Finally, he gave in and confessed his name, and that gave power to Isis. Well, that just illustrates how important the name was in the Egyptian culture. And so when Moses asks, so you who's speaking to me from the burning bush, would you tell me your name? He's saying, how close are we? Am I invited into that inner circle of those who know your name? And God said, you know what, Moses, you are. And when God shared his name to Moses, he was saying to Moses, buddy, we are so tight relationally. And Moses at that moment was starting to know God, not only his attributes, not only could Moses fill out a theology test indicating what God is like, but he saw God near him, close to him. The two words that come to mind are might and tight to really see God means that you know his might his attributes what he's like and you're also tight with him you're in the inner circle with God he's one of your best friends if not the best friend and when you see God both in knowing what he's like and connecting with him in a tight relationship friends that brings courage immense courage That was the game changer for Moses. It was this seeing of God, his nearness, his greatness that gave him in the crucial hour, the courage that he needed. And I will tell you that that is our secret to courage as well. You need to see God. I got to show you a quote. There's a old Bible scholar by the name of G. Campbell Morgan. And yeah, I love this quote of his. He says, The supreme need in every hour of difficulty is for a fresh vision of God. Seeing him, all else takes on proper perspective. Isn't that fantastic? The supreme need in every hour of difficulty is a fresh vision of God. In your hour of difficulty where you're trembling, you need to see God. Some would say, I have a lot of fear regarding finances. I need a good advisor. Well, maybe, but the supreme need is to see God. Some would say, oh, I've got marriage problems and I'm scared to death. I need a better understanding of my spouse. Okay, that's great, but it's not the supreme need. It's to know God. God. So some would say, I'm freaking out with my kids, you know, I, I don't understand why my parenting connects with them. I, I need to understand myself. No, maybe, well maybe, but the supreme need is to know God. You say, I'm just freaked out by life and I'm in the cloud of confusion and fear. You need to see God. Friends, I believe it to the core of my being, that while understanding self is helpful, and understanding the problem is helpful, and understanding steps that help is helpful, but the supreme need is to see God. When the reality of God, his attributes, his love, his power, and when the nearness of God, the tight relationship with him, we Christians are invited to enjoy. When we see God near and great, it will give a courage that nothing else can give. I'll give you an example. I was a youth pastor a long time ago, admittedly. But it happened when I was a junior in college. I was invited to lead this youth group, be a youth pastor. And the fact that I said yes to that is one of the most courageous decisions in my life. And you may not see it that way, but I should explain to you that high school terrified me. I hated high school. I vowed I would never enter a high school again in my life. And I hated high school because of fear. I have a propensity towards anxiety and worry and the social pressures of high school and all the academic stresses. Everything just led to me being so anxious that I was miserable most of the time. And when I graduated, I said, I'm never going back. Here, two years later, I'm invited to devote my focus to ministering to high school students. And I said, let me at them. Started walking back into high school's. You may say, yeah, but this time you were a graduate. You weren't one of them. That's true. That's not the reason for my courage. Some would say, well, you just matured a couple years. Hopefully that's true. It's not the reason for my courage. The reason for my courage is that I saw God. Prior to those days of my life, the Lord had been a notion in my head, but a distant notion, one that I did not connect with. But in those first two years of college, I had seen God, not with my eyes, but his presence had invaded my life. His attributes, what he's like, had become brilliantly beautiful to me for the very first time. I I felt this tight relationship with him, like Moses saying, Hey, can I know your name? I felt like God had spoken to me. Jeff, you know my name. And with this invasion of the beauty and presence of God in my life, a courage arose that I had never known before. And what was true of me in college is true of me today. When I start to fear, what I need is to see God. Friends, in the days ahead, may we see God like we've never seen him before. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the truth of Hebrews eleven twenty seven. 27, that Moses' secret to courage was seeing you. Would you open the eyes of our soul to recognize that you are real, that you are near, that you are amazing, and that we can be in a tight relationship with you. God, may your may might and tight, may this be evident to us, May we see you and may courage like we've never known it before rise up in our hearts and bless us in life. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And before you take off, please take a moment and fill out that online connection card. We want the Compass Church to feel like home for you. And the best way for that to happen is for us to know one another better. You can let us know who you are, what kind of information it is that you would like to know more about, and most importantly, how it is that we can come alongside of you and your specific needs in prayer this week. And I also want to take a moment to say thank you for your partnership and generosity. For those of you that are giving financially here to the Compass Church, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. We are all about helping people find and follow God. We want more and more people to continue to hear the good news of Jesus, and your financial partnership plays a huge role in making that possible. If you're interested in joining us, whether for the first time or the hundredth time, you can always go to thecompass.net slash give, and we would be honored to continue partnering with you in the future. With all of that said, looking forward already to the next time we are here together and continuing our sermon series, Egypt, A Line in the Sand, here at The Compass Church.